Hi there, and a very warm welcome to Season 4, Episode 6 of People Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. Pea Supers, thanks for tuning in. This week it's another copper soup with me, called Getting Curious. I want to build upon last week's episode, called Perspectacles, and really consider how we can get curious about how other people experience the workplace. As I said in Perspectacles, we can't hear each other's personal soundtracks. We don't know what it's like for them in the workplace, and I'm going to draw upon some evidence from psychologist Sarah Bonner and an organisation called Blueprint for All. People Soup is an award-winning podcast where we share evidence-based behavioural science and psychology in a way that's practical, accessible and fun to nourish your mind to flourish at work. Let's have a quick scoot over to the news desk. Reviews are in for last week's Copper Soup, Perspectacles. On Twitter, Rachel Lee said, Really enjoyed this, Ross. Loved the way you demonstrated the idea of the internal soundtrack with the experiential exercise. I'm looking forward to using this idea in our DBT skills group. Rachel went on to say, Thought it was a really clever way of talking about others' perspectives and the influence of our experiences and culture by using... And at that point, Rachel mentions a song that I introduced in the episode. So no spoilers, you can go and have a listen yourself. And Susie Tarrant on Twitter said, I love this, Ross. Such a powerful way of demonstrating how others can't read into what's in our heads, but we assume they can. I can recognise this going on in so many relationships at home and at work. Thanks for a great cuppa. Well, thanks to Rachel and Susie and to everyone who listened, shared, followed and reviewed. If you do enjoy the podcast, I'd love it if you would subscribe, rate and review it, whatever platform you're on. It helps us amplify our voice and reach more people with stuff that could be useful. For now, get a brew on and have a listen to Getting Curious. So, P-Supers, Sarah Bonner was one of our most popular guests in Season 2. She came on the show to present her research which explored the lived experience of black women in the creative industries. And this outstanding research was called Tapping into Black Magic. Sarah identified two main themes in her data, empowerment and disempowerment. And I'm particularly interested today in the four themes that sit under disempowerment. Let's go over to Sarah to hear more about them kind of the themes that were really strong and positive and I yeah. found that they were kind of there were these two polarising themes that's what I found mm. so on the one end you had empowerment which was yeah. really positive and it was a real symbol of hope and the future and um, mm. strength you had disempowerment yeah. which was complete opposite so the opposite end of the scale so very polarising and what we found from the research was that Four things were happening. The women, the women's experience could be clustered into four sub-themes. Mm-hmm. The first sub-theme was kind of this idea of being hyper-visible and being invisible simultaneously. So one girl was talking about how her skin was really loud. She said, my skin is loud enough, I don't want to do anything else with your attention to myself. So what you were finding, that the women were self-limiting Mm. So what they were doing is they weren't speaking out when they needed to because they didn't want to be too visible because they were very visible for the wrong reasons. So their clothes, their hair, if there was some kind of cultural issue, something about black music or a Mm. riot or something that was culturally specific to them, suddenly they were very visible. 
people wanted to talk to them about it. They wanted to comment on it. They wanted to kind of see them at this kind of very kind of top line level. But when it came to them being recognised and visible for their their creative ability, their professionalism, mm. their intelligence, they were massively overlooked. Then we talked about aggressions, the kind of aggressions that the women were experiencing. Yeah. So there was overt aggression, like the like story the, I told yeah. you before. And then there were the microaggressions, mm. which are things like, can I touch your hair? That's a big one. Oh, it's a big gosh. no. So, again, it's quite reductive. And one of the girls told me about the fact that a man just touched her hair. He didn't ask permission. He just went, oh, and just touched her hair. Like she was this object that you suddenly lose your individuality. And then there was this idea of stereotypes, this need to avoid stereotypes women mm. black women are categorized in one of three or four ways there's this whole idea of the mammy complex where you are either very subservient mm. um, and that comes from culture films you've seen it in films and i think we counted it from a very young age and we don't realize it mm. if you think of i think she's called mammy two shoes and tom and jerry and that yeah. was one of the stereotypes actually that's like the aggressive the angry black women stereotype yeah. comes from that you know, you think about Gorm with the Wind and, yeah. and you, you think about all these characters that we've grown up with. It's just there, just quietly bubbling away. And I was listening to something the other day about Enid Blyton and the references in Enid Blyton are awful, mm. really awful. And if you think about, if this is what's going into the minds of young children, this is yeah. the norm. This is what they think. of. This is what shapes their values, their beliefs. Their approach to people. Their approach, their opinions, their yeah. vocabulary. Yeah. Gosh. So that, so that, was, um, that was very interesting mm. um, about how the women are seen and how they really fought against being perceived in a very specific way. Mm. So the angry black woman is something that every black woman is scared of being described as because it's such a huge stereotype. And that's why you saw people like Serena Williams taking such offence mm. to her, you know, her on-court conduct. She had an outburst. She was cross. Yes. But when Andy Murray does it or when John McEnroe did it, when other people yeah. do it, it's absolutely fine. So black women have to live by a very different set of rules. They can't mm. fulfil the stereotypes. So what you're finding is that these women are self-censoring. And then the big thing, the big thing that we that we discovered, which what is really a new concept that does warrant a PhD, but we'll come on to that, mm. um, is this intragender, interracial conflict. So as I mentioned before, that... The creative industry, marketing, advertising, and publishing, which is what I studied, it is generally a very white, female-dominated industry now. Mm. So they're the new prototype within the industry. Yeah. So what you're finding is that there's a conflict between black women and white women. And what I was finding in terms of my research is that the people that are creating these barriers are white middle-class women. They're somehow consciously or unconsciously perpetuating yeah. the oppressive treatment of black women. <sighs> In lots of different ways. Um, one girl said that she turned up for an interview at a company and she was sitting in reception waiting to be seen. Mm -hmm. And this young middle-class girl, brunette, 
she went up to her, she tapped on her shoulder and said, are you in the right place? So the suggestion for that is not, can I help you? Wow, just listening to that and reflecting on the power of our words. That participant in Sarah's research went on to have a really great interview at that organisation, but declined the offer of a job as she felt the team she'd be working in were like carbon copies of each other, and she didn't want to have to deal with that sense of otherness all the time. Thanks to Sarah for expanding on those four themes of hypervisibility and invisibility, aggression, stereotypes, and intragender interracial conflict. I want to turn to a different source of evidence now from an organisation called Blueprint for All. Let's get curious with their research. First of all, a bit about Blueprint for All. From the 1st of January 2021, they formally changed their name from the Stephen Lawrence Charitable Trust to Blueprint for All. This change respects Stephen's family's wishes, and since their foundation in 1998, they have worked to ensure that the opportunities denied to Stephen are open to all. Their underpinning principles remain the same, and they continue to honour Stephen's memory through their work. As Blueprint for All say, it's well documented that a fairer, more inclusive society will benefit everyone. However, their recent research with over 500 students found that young people from disadvantaged backgrounds are dropping out of education at over twice the rate of those from advantaged backgrounds. 27% had lost funding for their studies. 23% needed to support their families financially throughout lockdown. 45% are considering abandoning their plans for a professional career altogether. And 20% believe companies are more risk-averse now and therefore less likely to hire people from unconventional backgrounds. And recent reports state that COVID-19 has disproportionately affected those from ethnic minority communities, with a 9.5% rise in unemployment versus 4.5% for those from white backgrounds. And I'd really recommend you heading over to blueprintforall.org to read the full report. So P-Soup is just mulling over that research. What can we do? Well, the good news is there's a role for each of us here in the workplace and wider society. Blueprint for All encourages us to consider becoming an ally. So let's look at what that means and what we can practically do. We interrupt this broadcast with an infomercial. It's about reviews and ratings. You can help us reach more people by reviewing and rating People Soup, just like Kate from Wyoming did. Kate said, People of psychology, behaviour and anyone else. If you're not listening yet, you're in for a real treat. The sound quality and format are exceptional. Ross's interviewing style makes you feel like you're enjoying a cuppa with your closest friends, solving the problems of the universe together. I always feel a bit cheerier and more hopeful for our world after listening to People's Soup. Well done. Well, thank you so much, Kate. And if you could spare five minutes to add a review, I'd be so grateful. And who knows, I might even read it out on a future episode. So let's get curious about being an ally. Here's the definition from Blueprint for All. An ally is someone who makes the commitment and effort to recognise their privilege and acts in solidarity with oppressed groups in the struggle for justice. Allies understand that it is in their own interest to end all forms of oppression, even those from which they may benefit in concrete ways. An ally is someone who uses their privilege to support the rights of the marginalised. So, that sounds good. So what does that mean in our behaviour? Luckily, Blueprint for All have given us six top tips. Let me just share these and just 
as I read them out, just mull over what could you do in the workplace or in your life. Number one, standing shoulder to shoulder. There may be times when comments are made about people from ethnic minorities or any minorities that you recognise as inappropriate or offensive. This can happen in both social and professional settings. We should always take an anti-racist stance when this happens and say something. By remaining silent, we are complicit and give the impression that it's okay. Number two, learn and unlearn. If we are not personally affected by the issues minority communities face, we may not fully understand the context in which those from underrepresented backgrounds find themselves or the depths of their feelings. We can take time to educate ourselves, research and understand the history and impact of social exclusion. Number three, be aware of language. The language we use to describe individuals and groups of people can have a huge impact. Language constantly changes. Certain terms we used in the past are now considered highly offensive, so have been replaced with new terminology. This is because we now understand and acknowledge the unpleasant history behind specific words and the context in which they were formulated. Number four, support charities making a difference. There are many small charities and community groups throughout the UK doing incredible work to support inclusion. We should all actively back them. Often small charities are excluded from corporate giving if their turnover is under a certain threshold. Did you know you can ask your employer if you can include a grassroots charity supporting disadvantaged communities in your payroll giving, at fundraising events, or as your corporate charity of the year? Number five, support minority-owned businesses. There are significant incongruities when it comes to the support of minority-owned businesses, which have also been disproportionately hit by the coronavirus pandemic. According to The Guardian, black-owned businesses are 47% less likely to get approval for business loans than white counterparts. And number six, keep the momentum going. There will likely be a lot of noise in the media around the anniversary of George Floyd's death. However, make sure your commitment to being an ally is something that you can continuously strive for. To do this effectively, diversify your media intake and those you follow on social media channels. Amplify their voice by sharing their content with your social media audiences. So, P-Supers, if you're anything like me, that list might leave you feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Feeling like, oh gosh, I'm not really taking action, I'm not doing enough. So what could we do right now? What could we do to start or build upon our level of allyship? And finally, I'd like to go back to that point about learning and unlearning. We don't know the experience of another human being in the workplace. We don't know their inner soundtrack, their inner work song. And it will surely be different from our own. So how can we ask? Let's go back to my chat with Sarah Bonner. I think, I think for me that's what it is. It's about individuality. We're, we're all different. No one can be reduced to a racial group, a, a gender group, etc., etc. Exactly. Let, let's start. Let's start bringing a bit of respect and curiosity. Yes. If you don't know what the perspective of another person is like in the workplace, I think it's okay to ask. Yes. Is it exactly. not? It really is okay to ask, and I think we spend so much time trying to be polite yes. about it. But you know, don't just ask the black person. Ask 
everybody yeah. for their opinion on whatever it is that yes. you think that you want to know about. Yeah. But and and try and find out more. If you're not sure, ask the question. If you don't know about someone's cultural heritage mm. or you don't you don't know about their religious beliefs, mm. ask them because it's better to ask and learn. Yes. Than warrant than make some silly comments. Like one girl from the from the study said that she was wearing a headscarf mm-hmm. at work one day and someone a girl a young girl who hadn't who was quite sheltered had a quite sheltered upbringing said to her i love your rastafarian vibe today <laughs> she was thinking where on earth has that come from oh, gosh. i'm just wearing a headscarf yeah why is that a rastafarian vibe so it's just silly things like that that the intent, there was no malice in the intent, there's, there's but it's... The, probably no malice, no, no. but it's just but it's lazy just, thinking. It's lazy or... thinking, and it shows that how they've absorbed these ridiculous... I'm not saying Rastafarianism is ridiculous, but they've absorbed mm. stereotypes yeah. that they associate with black people, so therefore... And then you think about probably what the main stereotypes are associated with that, then you're at the point where this is what you think yeah. about black people. So I called this episode Getting Curious. How can we explore each other's work songs, that internal soundtrack? Often we'll get embarrassed about how to start the conversation or be worried we'll say the wrong thing and cause offence. And all that means we never start the conversation and the inequalities persist. So here's an idea from me, P-Supers. But if you have other ways of starting the conversation, please do share them and I'll add them to the show notes for this episode. Here's my suggestion for a conversation opener. I'm curious about how you experience this workplace. Would you be willing to share? Or, what's it like to be you in this workplace? I know that the People Soup Hive mind will have views and lots of ideas, so let's share them here to help kick off those conversations. Could you commit to one of those conversations this week? Hey supers, that's it. Getting curious is in the bag. If you like this episode of the podcast, could I invite you to share it with one other person? I'm really keen to spread the behavioural science with more people. Of course, a subscription, follow, rating or review are also very much appreciated. The show notes for this episode are at rossmackintosh.co.uk and that includes links to a few different platforms. I love to hear from you and you can get in touch at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com On Twitter... We are at PeopleSoupPod, on the Instagram at People.Soup, and on Facebook we are at PeopleSoupPod. Thanks to Andy Glenn for his spoon magic and Alex Engelberg for his vocals, and to you for listening. Look after yourselves, P-Supers, and bye for now. I'm curious about how you experience this workplace. Would you be willing to share? Or, what's it like to be you in this workplace?